I'm really excited this week for this week's interview with Samuel Verby. Samuel's a good friend of mine. He's um, just a genius, um, at least certainly compared to me. I, I don't know, maybe not in your circles, but certainly in my circles, Samuel is considered a genius. The guy's just switched on about so much stuff. And we're going to dive in predominantly around his specialities. Um, we might end up going on a few bunny trails we usually do when we talk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why don't you tell um, folks who you are, uh, what you do, why you do it, um, and we'll take it from there. Yes, I, I guess I would uh, uh, slightly critique your your view of genius, um, <laughs> but but I but I'll, I'll take it anyway. Um, I yeah, um, I, I work as a as a researcher for a research partnership called IDO uh, Research, um, and. Um, Basically, what I'm fascinated by is, is how research and, and specifically sociology um, can change the way and help us navigate um, key topics such as dating culture, um, such as um, politics or um, uh, ministry school um, within, within the church. Okay, yeah. Um, and I've been doing that for the past, well, started start studying sociology about seven years ago, um, but I've been uh, yeah part of this research partnership um, for the past two years. Okay, yeah, and so you've done quite a few different um, projects on the on the research um, stuff already, um, and with some big big uh, organizations as well. Many people watching would know the, the people that you've you've worked with. Um, yeah. Like, tell us what are the sort of um, research projects you've done so far, and, and maybe we can. Uh, jump on one or two of them that sure. are the most interesting uh, or the most relevant I guess I'm sure you find them all very interesting no. but um, <laughs> why don't you give us an overview of some of the studies that you've uh, you've done um, yeah I mean uh, the, the studies that we do 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 very um, dramatically um, um, from something really small um, just like figuring out um, how many hours of volunteering a congregation puts in to the local church okay um but some of the more interesting stuff, and not that's not interesting, that's, that's, that's great, um, but some of the, the, the bigger projects we've done, um, we uh, worked with a church in, in London to unpack their dating culture. Wow. Um, and to figure out what kind of what dynamics and what social dynamics were influencing people's behavior hmm. um, um, in, 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 that, in that realm. Um, and then we've also looked at working with a ministry school to figure out how do people transition and do um, after they spend one year, two years, three years, right? Um, yeah, at ministry school, right? And I know that for us, we've got a ministry school here in Sale, and I know that um, as much as you try and stay in contact with the people after they leave and things like that, it's very hard once they leave your um, your bubble, your kind of sphere of influence, where you can't directly influence them day in day out. Um, it's very hard to know how are they doing. Are they struggling with that that influence? Are they struggling with that that community and things like that? And so I'm sure that's um, brought about really helpful and, and very useful. Even if um, I'm sure there's lots of positives and lots of negatives, but I'm sure that's all very useful. Um, mm. and, and so is that why you do this? I mean, is is it so that you can give people useful information, or is it uh, a natural inquiry? You love to find things out. What, what is it that makes you do these things? I, I think, yeah. I, as 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 is with the case with a lot of kind of people's projects or visions or, or, or businesses, is that there's a problem that we kind of try and try and tackle. And the church has 
uh, a lot of strengths, um, and one of those strengths is that we're very good at telling each other stories about how individuals are doing. Mm. We're very, very good at the anecdote, um, the individual testimony, the individual story of someone getting married and engaged, or the individual story of um, somebody who leaves ministry school and goes and starts a revival in Russia or something like that. The problem is, is that when anecdote becomes our entire perception of reality, uh, we can actually completely misconstrue what's going on mm. um, statistically and what's going on in the big picture. So I think that my passion is really to, re is to try and replace anecdote, that individual story, with a much more holistic, much more objective, real picture um, that says, okay, this person got married, but these 30 people didn't. Right. So therefore, we cannot, you know, base our entire vision um, on this one person's testimony. Right. So talk to me about it. So you said that your first kind of big research project was working with this um, church in, uh, in London. Uh, I'm assuming they were a fairly large church that had a big enough pool of, of folks so you could tell about dating culture. But yeah. I mean, that, that seems like that might be a prime example. You're using examples of, well, someone got married, but, you know, these other people didn't. I mean, it's very easy for us to hear from the front, oh, um, you know, look look at this person. This person was faithful to God, and they chased after God, and they got married. And then I know for me, I, I grew up faithful and chased after God, and I didn't get married for a long while. And it's like, and then you can go, well, ultimately you do, Phil, you know. And so, But I'm sure that there is all those different elements. Is that what you, you're kind of referencing there in kind of dating culture that, that self loop feedback that's based on one or two I, I mean I, I think that yeah that was kind of what drove me in particular to to start this project and 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 was a key reason why we felt it was so valuable mm. is that we do have yeah I mean in society in general we talk about pathways we, we love to visualize our lives as pathways where we are the protagonist walking Mm. And we look back over our history and we narrate our story to ourselves um, of, of, of who we are and how we got here. And, it, and it's a wonderful path. Mm. We look forward into the future and we look at the people that have gone before us and we go, oh, that's the pathway forward. That's the, that's the pathway. And, um, and they talk about narratives of success. And in, and in society in general, we have some pretty strong narratives of success. Um, Growing up in a you know like a, a nice loving family, um, dating, um, getting married, yeah, to some extent, but really just kind of being yourself, becoming who you want to be, is, is a narrative of success. Mm. In the church, we're very good at making that quite narrow. Um, so if you look at what it means to be a successful Christian in mainstream Christianity that looks really quite specific. It looks like you date another Christian. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like that you marry after, sorry, you marry and then you can engage in kind of much more close physical intimacy. Um, and, and, and it looks as though kind of, the, you know, it's the perfect one that God has always kind of got for you. Mm. Um, and we have this very, very, very strong narrative of success that we, if we don't follow you suddenly find yourself being questioned um, and being almost stigmatised. So, um, this was a particular area that our project focused on, 
for a single woman in her late 30s, early 40s, the way that we treat her is, is subtle, but it still has an influence. You know, questions like, oh, what, what happened with her? Or, oh, she's, she's still single? Mm. Or, um, oh, did you, did, you never, did you never want to get married? And we, and we ask these questions that just give a hint that this is not successful. They, right. give, they give this idea that you are not on the pathway of success. Mm. You're not following that. Um, narrow definition um, and that's a problem um, not just because because it's I would suggest not you know quite unbibli- unbiblical um, if anything the, the emphasis in the New Testament is to not get married um, <laughs> but, but it's problematic because statistically and this is again where objective research can be really helpful um, statistically there aren't enough men in the church to make this a reality, um, wow. so I mean the ratio. Again, we, you know we've probably heard it here and there, but the ratio of single of of of, of men to women in the church is sixty forty. So wow. six, for every sixty women, there's forty women for forty men. Um, of course, when you actually get to the singles, though, because people pair off as individuals on mm. um, a one to one ratio, then the ratio of singles is um, 70 women to every 30 men. Wow. Um, and this is something that we don't, we don't tackle with because, I mean, it's quite problematic, um, but also because it disagrees with our narratives of success. Our narratives of success says that God has got something for you. Mm. It says that you will get married, um, and it says that you will get married to a very specific type of person. Right. You know? Wow. Um, so is that problematic as well? So, so what you're you're painting a picture here. So, and initially you're like sixty forty, and I'm like, well, that's not that far from fifty fifty, right. Um, right. right? I mean, it is, but it's not. You right. know, it's not too bad. You know, six people, four people, you know, right. six of those people end up, you know, fairly happy, <laughs> right? Um, but then you've got seventy thirty. That's a much bigger gap. But then you you're you're alluding to there's more to it at play as well there because we have. Um, we're giving ideas of who we should marry as well. What what is it? So it's not just successful to get married, but it's successful to marry a certain type of person. So right. does that whittle it down even further? Then so we've so we've got basically it's the narrowing and narrowing of that pathway of what success looks like. Um, and so the, the first thing is that um, yes, that you will get married, um, and then yes, it is to a specific person. And we and we've I mean, well, I certainly have, and I know that maybe you haven't with your upbringing being confronted with that theology of make a list of all the things you really want mm. for in your spouse. <laughs> right? um, you know, and you start dreaming with God and you start kind of imagining this perfect individual. Um, and then you tie that with a theology um, such as um, if, if it's something that you want, God wants, you know, if it's something that's on your mm. heart, it's on God's heart as well. Um, and with our kind of charismatic... Um, excitement and belief in God really wanting the best for you. We tie that all together and we go, right, that person that I made yeah. a list of, that person God exists. wants me to marry the Christian Cameron Diaz. Right. <laughs> right. That's the dream. Isn't it? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like that the, the, there is this, yeah, very specific individual or type of person. So the idea, for example, of dating a non-Christian mm. is extremely stigmatized. Um, the idea of dating someone who's, um, as a woman, is someone who's five years younger than you, 
Mm. Um, again, people will go, oh, he's, he's younger than her. Mm. Ooh. Or, oh, he doesn't have a, she earns the money and he doesn't, he doesn't have a job. Um, or, you know, oh, he, he, he stays at home and does video podcasts while she's out there, you know, actually, you know, earning, earning, earning cash dollar. You're I getting mean, a bit close to home. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, it's completely <laughs> coincidental. Completely coincidental. Um, but yeah, but people ask, people, you know, there is, there is a stigma when you deviate outside of that, outside of that norm. Um, or even the idea that he needs to be more spiritually mature than you, or the idea that um, mm. um, that he needs to come from a certain socio-demographic background. Um, we turn preference into theology. Wow. And that becomes really, really dangerous because it creates a certainty that A, statistically, isn't going to be there, even in quite a broad definition of what the ideal Christian guy would look like for mm. a girl. But... Um, but, but even more so, um, um, yeah, for, 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 when, for, when she, for when she starts dating. Wow. So these are some of the, the findings that you, you found. So when you, were, when you were researching this, presumably this isn't just, um, this isn't just your opinion or this no. isn't just, um, this is actual observation of facts, correct? So, so there, were, there's, there was always two parts to any research project. Um, and maybe this can help unpack what we mean by research. The, the first part is really trying to figure out what is the landscape before we actually conduct any questionnaires or interviews. Mm. Um, what is the cultural landscape that underlies, in this example, Christian dating culture? Um, and for us in the church, we have, we've got, you know, all those dating books, right? You know, um, when God writes your love story or, um, uh, wild at heart or, um, Another one, you know, the Stacey Eldridge's, the yeah. um, Lisa Bevere's, um, the Joshua Harris's, right. um, and that and that underpins a large part of our of our dating culture. But because partly because the Bible doesn't really say anything about it, mm. yeah. which I think is fascinating and something that people don't people gloss over. Um, and because it doesn't, we're very keen to kind of try and scramble and find some 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 really hard theologies because we're right. terrified of kind of even trying to figure uncertainty. Out yeah, right, absolutely. Right. Which is, I mean, it's a dangerous playground to try and build theology in, right? I mean, it, looking at kind of maybe slightly post Bronze Age text to go, right, what's a good model for marriage? You're going to get to some scary places, right? It's a it's a dangerous <laughs> it's a dangerous it's a dangerous playground, but it's a lucrative playground. Oh, I imagine yeah. <laughs> you could sell all your daughters, right? I mean, you'd be rolling in camel and sheep and cattle. Right, I was, <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, I was, I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, I was, I was more referring to the to the to the current the current day books. I mean, it's it's a major market. Mm. Um, you know, people 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 want want to buy what want they want certainty right. in an area that the, the, the bible doesn't provide certainty um this might be a terrible moment to know that i'm actually to note that i'm actually uh, planning on writing a book but Ooh, um i'm very excited about that. <laughs> is it going to be a certainty <laughs> no well well i mean there are some things that i'm certain about um um just um, might not help anyone <laughs> with their feeling peace right <laughs> I think I think I think the, the goal is ultimately. I and we can get onto this later. I just want to expand the definition of success mm. in dating culture. Wow. Um, but yeah, so that so that's the first part of the research is un, is, is the underlying landscape, and then we've also got you know sermons and talks um, and the general kind of morals and values that we have in dating. Yeah. So the idea that 
the woman never makes the first move, um, um, which kind of shuts off her agency, which is basically the individual's ability to do something about their scenario. Right. Um, again, if a woman does ask a guy out, friends and family will be like, oh, she she asked him out. Mm. Um, you know, and there's, this, there's that stigma attached. Um, For the guy and the girl, right? Because it, it stigmatizes the girl. It's, oh, oh, she's very forward, she's whatever, you know, not very whatever it might be. Yeah. Reserved, humble, whatever. But then also stigmatizes the guy of like, oh, what, he couldn't ask her out? He couldn't, you know... Absolutely, like it's it's fascinating. It undermines his masculinity, mm. um, and that that is a very dangerous thing to do in any culture, mm. um, um, especially as in Christian dating culture. We've got that kind of fairly loud cry um, from a lot of single women of telling men to man up. Mm. I mean, I've heard it, you've heard it, um, probably because we're both just very in touch with our emotional side. Um, <laughs> But, but, but it's true but that that is, I mean, and that was one of the initial results. If we move on to our survey that we conducted, we asked um, single women in this church congregation, we had about, uh, we sent up a survey, uh, we got about 250 responses, um, what was the one thing you would say to, to Christian men about dating culture? And the overwhelming response of over 60%, they said, man up. Wow. And that's the slightly more... Um, uh, PG version of response. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> they were slightly more passionate than just uh, man up. <laughs> yeah, grow, grow a pair. Um, you know, those those kind of sentiments. Wow. Um, so can we pause and talk about that for a second? Of What do you think it is that... Um, it seems to be a big is this a cultural thing or is it is it within Christianity culturally Christianity that, that men don't man up or is it that women have a higher expectation of a manly man and what, what masculinity I mean because masculinity can look like a lot of different things yeah. I guess um, do you have any thoughts on that or any observations yeah that, I guess there, there are two things at play because we have such quite strong defined gender roles um, when it comes to initiating a date uh, again, in culture in general, but m- even more so mm. in um, in Christian circles. Um, Dr. Henry Cloud, I think, is just one of many examples who writes one of the perceived kind of better Christian dating books, um, how to keep how to get a date worth keeping. I think okay. says um, um, that testosterone um, is the is the is the essence of 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 pursuit. Um, um, and that 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 is the guy's role. He talks about you know get your team together, guys, and your it's your role to make the first move and man up and get you know go out there and do it. Um, and that and that's and that's that's great um, um, as long as well a the guys actually do that. Um, but 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 it's not great for the for for the agency of the women because. Mm whilst they can't make that first move intellectually, let's call it, or even through action, they also can't, they're also very stigmatized from provoking that first move. Mm, So if you step outside the church, you look at what women do to try and provoke a guy to ask her out. You be flirtatious, you know, you, you dress up. Um, It's what Catherine Hakeem talks about as, as, as exploiting kind of the, the erotic capital 
yeah. um, which I know may send off alarm bells in right Christians hear the word erotic <laughs> and they get but, but explain that for people what does yeah. that actually mean it, it, it means it mean just basically and we, and we all do it to some extent um, but using um, yeah your charm flirting um, just being a little bit kind of yeah like a little bit of banter a little bit of flirtation mm-hmm. um, a little bit provocative um, that's how a lot of women kind of are able to kind of get a guy interested and, and, and to have some agency yeah. in dating culture. Again, in the church, though, we're so concerned with causing our Christian brothers to stumble or um, from, you know, like even the hint of, you know, a Jezebel spirit is that kind of another, <laughs> another great, great category that we have. Um, because, because you know, we, we, we're, we're so scared that... Mm that we're going to, you know, um, you know, be too sexual. And, and and I think, yes, there is obviously a limit. I think the world does go too far. Um, but again, something that came out of our interviews with, with single Christian women was that there's a fear that they can really ever be any, even a little bit flirtatious. Yeah. Um, and the result is, again, a reduced level of agency. So you've got reduced level of agency of being able to make the first move but then a reduced level of agency of being able to even provoke the first move. Right. Wow. And then w- would it be fair to say, um, I can speak for myself on this as a, as a guy, but with less um, provocation from the, from the opposite sex, um, there's less certainty that, oh, maybe I can make a move. Or, you know what I mean? So for, as a guy, I've liked a girl before and thought, ah, she's just giving me nothing, though. Right. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going right. to crash and burn or whatever it is, right? Um, and over time, you get a lot less um, picky over that, right? You're like, I'm just going to crash and burn. If I crash and burn, I crash and burn. I've done it right. too many times at this point. It's fine. But certainly earlier on in my years, I was like, oh, I'm just too scared. I don't want to make a fool. And, and actually, it's very likely that it was something there, but they are not empowered to... Uh, kind of give you that tiny bit that lets you man up right and so maybe yeah it still goes to man up Phil just ask the girl out already um, yeah. but certainly oh you're giving me something you're flirting or you touched me in the arm or whatever and it's like I feel a little bit more confident about saying hey would you like to get a coffee or something um, and so it, it seems like this isn't a good system for either party necessarily it's not just that it's no. uh, it's ruining things for a woman but it feels like men are kind of a bit screwed over in this situation as well yeah it's it, it's something that I, yeah, would just been phrased as kind of a paralysis of, of dating culture. Right. Um, and again, one thing that we were really quite surprised to find, the average amount of times that a single woman was asked out by another member of her congregation, this is a large church we're talking mm. about here, um, was once by one individual over a two-year period. Wow. One individual over a two-year period. The amount of times they were being asked out by non-Christian guys, five or six individuals over that period. Wow. So there's a massive, massive um, um, disparity. And, and again, you know, we, we spread the question, okay, so what about other Christian guys asking you out? And that was on mm. average maybe two Wow. Um, over, over, over a two-year period. Um, and so we have this, yeah, we do have this kind of slight paralysis or atrophy of, of our dating culture. Um, and yeah, I think I think it is because we're very, very masculine men focused with the roles and the making the first move. To complicate this all further, <laughs> um, um, Christian men are indeed on most metrics of masculinity um, 
less masculine. Um, right. Okay. Than than than, than national norms. E- explain that then. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess. I guess I premise this with that I'm not saying that this is a good definition of masculinity, um, but aspects such as um, uh, determination, um, uh, confidence, self-belief, measures of arrogance, sure, um, all things that are culturally seen as, as, as masculine, um, kind of dominant. Um, yeah, Christian men... Uh, consistently through various studies, uh, score lower right. than, the non, than non-Christians. Um, and, and so that the people that are more likely to be that kind of alpha, like make that first move, you know, be super confident, take the risk. Mm. Yeah, I mean, demographically, they're not really as much in the church. Mm. Um, so... Again, you've got that kind of lowering of population of people that are um, eligible. Or, yeah, 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 kind of. Wow. Yeah, kind of. Um, and and that and that's a really interesting issue. And I and I and I haven't read enough into it to really kind of fi- figure out what really why is that the case? Why have we got less? Yeah, less kind of culturally masculine men in the church. Okay. Should we go off book? And uh, I'd love to just hear your thoughts because because I I hear this and I'm like wow this is really interesting to me like and again I've not researched this extensively yeah. I mean we've talked a lot about these sort of things but um, I mean to me it seems a, a big drive and 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 for good reason in the church's humility mm. is to be meek is to be reserved is to um, take the last seat. I mean, right. a lot of these positions that seem on paper to be very different to being assertive and strong and dominant and, you know, all these these words, um, I don't have a problem with them and I don't see, I see Jesus being all of those things at times, right? Yeah. Um, but he also was very um, humble. He was also very meek. He was also, you know, all these different things. And so I wonder if on some levels we we're kind of trying to find some sort of I don't know if there's a bit of a disconnect between what we teach is biblical and, and good uh, yeah. life kind of uh, skills or whatever or, or character traits, but at the same time we're expecting something different from the person. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I think it's I think it's both, um, which is a typical annoying mm. sociology answer. Um, I do think on the one hand, yeah, our culture, what we're teaching, some of the values, um, naturally make guys growing up in the church yeah a, li- a little bit more in touch with their emotional side right um, and and to engage in some of those more culturally feminine characteristics you know love of family mm. um, um, being able to express yourself um, kind of yeah yeah kind of putting other people's first altruism so I definitely think that is that a lot of it's through learning I also think though that that culture means that the people that do leave, growing right. up, do leave, um, are typically ones that are maybe pushed out a little bit more from our from our norms. Um, and I think I'd probably be referring to this idea of uh, the, the rigid boundaries that we set, for example, with sex before marriage. Mm. Um, whether they should be there or not, I, I you know, I, I don't necessarily want to get into that, but the for a guy that is super confident, super athletic, that ticks all those super masculine categories, mm. 
Um, typically, research shows that they have higher sex drive um, right. um, than someone who's a little who's a little bit more reserved, who's a, who's a little bit more um, feminine. Um, um, and the result is, is they came, they reached the age of thirteen, um, and they enter kind of their hormonal stage, etc., etc. Um, and yeah, and they 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 really do want to pursue a girl, and they mm. really will ask a girl out, but they want to have sex, right? Um, okay. And because we're so rigid on that, um, because we have such strong boundaries, and you know the taboo nature of sex before marriage is one of the worst sins you can commit, right? According to yeah, every youth pastor at least, <laughs> right. right? The Bible hints at it. Uh, and there's definitely an argument mm-hmm. against it, but uh, but but not to the emphasis that we put on it in right. our dating literature. Um, yeah, for that guy, yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a strong push factor right. to leave. There's a lot less incentive to hang around. There's a lot and less presumably, then, I mean, again, we're all we're just spitballing here, but presumably, as all as well, there's more of a pull into the church for the 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 man that yeah. is um, more feminine, more in touch with his emotions, more, um, you know on that spectrum than the guy that's got a huge sex drive that's a lot more powerful dominant you know yeah. perhaps like as well lesser so not only are we pushing people out that would qualify in this area we're also not particularly attracting people in this area um, these people that are out there asking girls out in the church five six times every two years they're not going to come join church right um, because it's not a good place to ask out girls because you're not going to get sex right or even I mean just even any I mean Sex is an extreme, kind of the sure. extreme example. Um, uh, but even kind of any form of physical intimacy, again, we are we're, we're very quick to kind of clamp down. Right. Um, sorry, remind me, remind me of the remind me of your question. That would be wonderful if I could do that. Um, <laughs> let me think. But where where were we? Um, people are watching, just screaming like you were here. Um, I can't remember. I, can't remember. I, I feel like uh, it was a it was a, a complete bunny trail. Yeah. Kind of really wasn't talking about um, males, kind of in that sense. But I guess going right back to the original, we're talking about that that disparity between seventy percent uh, yeah. girls, thirty percent guys, right. and and the different things that are disqualifying them. And and yeah, and and that kind of that that paralysis, that actually of the mm. dating market. Um, I think this might be a really interesting point to bring in. Um, I don't want to focus on, on this particular research too much because I'm sure there are other questions. Um, and as my sister keeps telling me, please shut up about dating. <laughs> I, made, I made the mistake of sending her a, um, a large chunk of, of my uh, master's thesis um, to proofread. Um, she didn't like smart. it. Oh no! I mean, like no, that was, that was fine. I mean, it was talking about how there weren't enough men, etc., and and how our dating culture is um, not doing great. Right. Um, so it's not an encouraging message overall encouraging. for no. single people in, in the church. Right. It turns out I, I the, the day I sent that to her on, uh, she's she's single. Um, uh, was Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> We shouldn't be laughing at this. It's terrible. It's no, too funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sad for everyone involved because I didn't even realise it was Valentine's Day and there I am, you know, single, right? You know, single, yeah, exactly, <laughs> typing away. 24,000 oh. words to keep me company, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. 
but but yeah, um, uh, th- 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 that that ratio. So so if we've got the literature and the and the norms causing a paralysis mm. in, in in dating culture, um, the other big influence is is that ratio, um, and. I guess to understand this part of the research, it, it's really helpful to look at every relationship, um, both friendship and romantic, as an exchange of resources. Um, so I put in a certain amount of time, energy, effort um, in order to get emotional, physical intimacy in return in a dating dynamic. Um, and likewise, the, the, the girl would do the same. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, and in a in a in a balanced, we call it market, as it were, when you've got an equal supply of one group compared to an equal demand of the other, mm. the value. We're talking about economics. The the value stays pretty level. Okay. So there's an even exchange. Yeah, the supply and demands is kind of right there. Yeah. Right, right. The okay. even exchange that I had to put in, you know, X amount of time, energy, and effort, and so does she. You know, and it's a fair to fair balance. When we enter any market where there is a imbalance when there is an oversupply of one group compared to the other what happens to the price of the value mm. it it falls so when you've got an oversupply I mean of anything I mean like any any product you've got an oversupply of it and not enough you know customers or people who are there in the market and want it, right. um, it massively drives down the value of it. Um, and that, and this is, this is, I guess, what the, the crux of the whole um, research project was able to show, was that this is influencing our dating culture. Wow. So that Christian women um, feel they need to give more of themselves, put more energy, effort, put more of themselves emotionally, physically, into a dating dynamic. Wow. Um, in order to receive just a little bit of commitment in return from the guy. And the guy's subjectively, sorry, not subjectively, subconsciously, right. um, don't feel they need to do the same. Mm. Um, and, the, and the reality is that they don't. A guy can give very little commitments to several girls that he may be kind of slightly interested in, and they will be throwing themselves at him. Right, because there's one of him and three of them. Right. Right, exactly. not quite the numbers, but I mean, very close. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and what this does, and, and and I guess I really want to stress at this moment, this is a subconscious feeling. Mm. Um, the same way that if I was to put a large bar of gold on the table in front of you right now, <laughs> you were subconscious. You, you consciously, you, you would feel, wow, that's valuable. Right. You wouldn't choose to feel it's valuable. Yeah. It would be distracting, though. It would be distracting at some level. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, you'd wonder why on earth I got it from. Yeah. Really main, main <laughs> wow, research pays. <laughs> it doesn't. Early birthday gift, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know no. what birthday is. Um, you would, um, you, you would, yeah, you you would feel value for it immediately, but it wouldn't be a choice. To right. the same way that in our dating culture, because we've got an oversupply and an under-demand from from the two kind of genders. Um, subconsciously, um, we are undervaluing mm. Christian women, um, and it was fascinating. I interviewed that we interviewed the the Christian women who were dated both in the church, dated Christians and dated non Christians. Wow! And they said that they felt more valued. They literally said they felt more valued by non Christian dates than they did wow. by the Christians they were dating. 
Um, and the reason is because they're entering a 50-50 ratio mm-hmm. where there's an even supply, so their value goes back up compared to when they're in, in the church. Wow. But more than that, they actually said they felt less pressurized to compromise on their physical, on their kind of sex before marriage values wow. by non-Christians. Wow. So they felt they had to give more of themselves sexually in the church. They felt more pressurized to do so in the church than by people who are outside of the church culture. Um, and that, yeah, I mean, I mean, that absolutely, absolutely blew my mind. Um, uh, this, this, this pattern has been noticed in other groups that have this imbalance of gender ratio. Mm. So uh, African-Americans, um, one in seven African-American men are in prison. Mm. which is a okay. stat that blows my mind anyway yeah. but it means that they have a similar gender ratio issue right in that so there's more culture. women than guys yeah right. okay very similar to the Christian world um, and and yeah very similar dynamic of, of women having to compromise more on their values and their standards in order to keep Christian in order to keep the African American guy interested wow um so that's the, that's the first thing that this ratio does. It subconsciously influences our value um, and how much Christian guys are willing to put in and how much Christian right. women are putting in. But the other thing it, it influences is the um, level of satisfaction. Hmm. Um, every dating dynamic, you have a level of how, how satisfied you are. I mean, we, we probably put different terms on it. We talk about, do you feel peace about this? Do you feel... Like um, this is the one person for you. How you know how how much do you, to this person that you go? Wow, I'm so lucky to be with this person. Um, and the answer is is that if the level of satisfaction is high enough, we really kind of put, throw ourselves in. We really go. We really commit. We really mm. put energy, effort in. Um, when confronted with so many different options, mm. a Christian guy is subconsciously less likely to be satisfied. Even if they're with someone who is wow. probably ideal for them, um, they're subconsciously not going to feel that this is right. Right. Um, and they're predisposed to not be satisfied. I'm not saying that Christian guys aren't satisfied. Obviously, loads of Christian marriages happen and they're fantastic yep. and there's some absolutely amazing people out there. But there is this underlying landscape caused by the gender ratio that means that yeah, Christian guys are predisposed to be less satisfied and less likely to commit. Wow. Um, That's the nice thing. And that, so, so presumably then with, with women, then there is much more of a, oh my gosh, I found the one because of a, a minimal market. But yeah. with guys, then what you're saying is there's a, well, I found one of, yeah. <laughs> you know, two, three, four, but I probably could have dated any of these girls. and Subconsciously. But it's all subconscious, it, and that's it, huge. It's very subconscious, because I think I, cause I think that there's a danger in here in thinking that Christian guys are absolute tools. Right. Um, and, 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 and <laughs> most, Maybe some of us are, but... <laughs> Yeah, but I think no. Most, most, and most of the people in, really in these, yeah. absolutely, and guys, girls, all of them, predominantly, they just want to honor God. They want to honor what God says, and and many people have been taught God says X, Y, and Z, and so that's what we bring into is is a genuine, good heart. 
behind this. And even people maybe that are teaching things that are making this worse, they've got a good heart. This is genuinely what they believe is best for young Christian girls, young Christian guys, whatever it is. Um, And so none of this is, um, you know, pointing the finger and saying, look, these guys are this and guys are intentionally doing that or this. But it it does seem like it's a pretty huge, um, huge deal. Um, And I mean what do you think the solution is like what do you think i'm sure that you just wrote a nice little like paragraph at the end of your your research and says here you go there's your problem solved but but talk to me a bit about you know is there some solutions even if it's even if it's shifting slightly in the right direction like how how do we go about fixing some of these issues sociology is very good at uh, pointing out the problems Um, (laughs) um, and, and i think that was the main focus was just to go okay look this is what's influencing us subconsciously. Um, right. This is the level of agency that women have. This is a problem. Let's open up a discussion of how to deal with mm. it. I guess. I guess that the the, the the only solution that I can see is just a expansion of what success is. Okay. And it, it would go back to that pathway of that narrative of success. That looking forward as a Christian woman growing up in the church, looking looking forward to the future there needs to be a much greater level of diversity of what it means to be successful Um, so for example being single in your 40s 50s and this goes for Christian men as well um, although I think they have more space for that um, Mm. um, yeah being single in your 40s and 50s is is successful Um, or even dating outside the church dating a non-Christian very taboo currently, um, but I think there needs to be space for women to make that choice for themselves and for men to make that choice for themselves mm. um, without that level of stigma. Oh, she's not a Christian. Oh, really? Mm. Or oh, he's not a Christian. You know, um, it's a complex issue, and for a lot of women, they're confronted with the with the option of either I'm never going to ma- get married or I marry a non-Christian. Right. And for our culture to, to to judge them and make it such a such a such a to make that kind of like solution to their issue such a stigma. Mm. When they're the ones that have created this issue by saying you have to get married. Right. Um, right. and then you doing the only thing you can to get married are breaking another rule right. that we made up and put on the table somewhere. Right. right. Um, um so yeah. so so those would be the first two areas. Um and and yeah, and I think and I think just having just 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 widening that definition. So yeah, so dating outside the church and dating on, mm. um, um, and 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 not dating and staying single, um, I think are a good start. Uh, I'm not going to say that they are theologically right or theologically ideal, right? But I am going to say there needs to be space for them for people to make that decision for themselves. Mm. Um, and I think that 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 would probably be my my solution is just let's expand this discussion, let's expand that 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 definition. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it seems that I mean, there's certainly room for that within theology as well. And so it might not be people's preferred theology that being single looks successful, but I mean, you said like you said, you know, in the New Testament, there's a really good strong argument for hey, being single, not a bad thing. Jesus was single, Paul was single, Paul was, you know, I mean? Paul was adamantly single, yeah, and, and he was pretty passionate about hey, you should be single too. I mean, um, you read read between the lines. That guy was that guy had you know like women after him all the time. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if, was, if we see that today of, of women throwing themselves at 
ministers and whatever, right? I mean, you can only imagine Paul was probably the, the, the who's who in Christianity of like, man, oh, yeah. single yeah. guy rolls into town and he's preaching this powerful message and he's getting people saved and raised from the dead and, you know, he got stoned and came back to life and it's like, oh, I want me that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. absolutely. And, and yeah, no, passionately about that. And so I, I think even though that might be our narrative, I think it's, it's having a generous... Um, or as Brian McLaren said, a generous orthodoxy yeah. and an ability to say, look, you have come to a different conclusion on this and I can't really argue this particularly strongly that it's bad to be single. Um, there might be slightly more of an argument for non-Christian, but I can pull out one verse in my head. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that is it. And right. whether it is explicitly talking about that particularly anyway is again, there's, there's room for discussion on that. Um, and so again, I think having room for the discussion, having yeah. room to go, so how did you come to that conclusion? Man, you've been single for 30 years. Man, that sounds tough. You know, uh, I think of, you know, you mentioned Joshua Harris's book yeah. and how I dated kiss, uh, how I dated kissing goodbye, how I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah. He wrote that when he was 22. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he married his high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not exactly written by a guy who's counseled 50 different people in dating and has seen a whole bunch of different experiences. And, and so I think we're very quick to just assume that whoever's given us this information, whoever's teaching, whoever's preaching, whoever's whatever is the, it's so facto on it. Yeah. Um, and so um, would you try to think how to put it, but I mean, is there resources out there for, um, for guys, girls wanting to look into this more of like, is there more room for how I approach dating? Is there different perspectives within Christianity other than the kind of evangelical norm? Um, I don't know if that's a very complex or... Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's a couple of books I would, I would recommend and I just want to get the title right, so I'm just going to mm. quickly um, open... open that up. Yes, um, The Dating Dilemma. Um, um, who the two authors that probably unpack a lot of what I said a lot better by um, okay. Rachel Gardner and um, Andre Ad- Adifog, I think. Okay. You, you can have links at the bottom. Yeah, I can put links, so I'll put links at the bottom yeah, of this video. Scrolling, and... cross, scrolling across. Oh, I could do that, but no one will be able to click it. There'll so. be a link scrolling across. <laughs> Just, yeah. If there isn't, I'm too lazy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it'll be down there. Yeah, okay. Something, <laughs> something, something there. Okay, great, great, great. That's good. Um, yeah, um, I guess that would be the first thing. The, 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 the second thing, and it's maybe an annoying resource, but it's just to. I think I think if everyone who who had this frustration, and shared, this kind of this view of like we need to expand that the, the mm. definition definitions are socially constructed, right? Right. This culture is socially constructed in a lot of ways. So the way that we change it is by just simply working together to just reconstruct that so just even having this conversation and talking um mm. talking you know aloud and, and kind of and questioning some of those definite pathways of success of the ways that we do it and, and also by not buying in to them as much right. as well so so would you say that um so for people that are youth pastors young adult yeah. leaders you know um how can they go about being a part of that healthy construction healthy um, te- is, is, is it predominantly focusing on teaching healthily what is success and yeah. teaching maybe or, or is there certain things that they should avoid teaching you know or at least things that they teach that they should be reconsidering 
I think I think that the first thing to reconsider is the the knee jerk reaction to oh you're dating a non Christian or oh you want to be single for the rest of your life or oh you're single in your fifties you know mm. and our knee jerk reaction is to always to those little comments that just remind that person that it's a stigma right you know oh really how's that working out for you or um, um, you know, so you know, yeah. What what happened to her? You know, what mm. what went wrong there? Those kind of very small, um, almost gossipy lines just reinforce those rigid boundaries. Um, and on the other end of things, the way we celebrate things, right? You know, like don't yes yeah, celebrate the marriage that that where when God brought two people together you know through you know kind of literally changing the alignments of the stars um you know like it, it yeah fine absolutely celebrate that but if you have that as your only testimony on stage um then right. guess what people's definition of success it reinforces that okay so have a single woman stand up and give her testimony of how wow. she is a complete whole person and she is absolutely loving life yeah um have you know yeah have someone who is who has dated uh, and, and is dating a non-Christian currently stand up and share about their lives I mean like you know there is celebrate I guess celebrate the things that aren't that kind of that perfect um, right um, not perfect that's very narrow definition mm. of, of success yeah that seems like such a good um, principle in general I think if to, if we're gonna include all and and be an inclusive yeah. community it, it it can be really exclusive when we're only celebrating the person that got healed or right. the person that did the healing or the person that you know did this miraculous thing or the person who's just got another job and right. and the, are we getting the person up to share how God's helping them crawl through like barely pulling yeah. themselves through homelessness right now right. or you know not having a job or I mean there's all these different um, yeah. things that we we, we we subtly we don't even probably think about it either we just think wow this is amazing we've got to share this right and it, and, um, it's, and it's those things I mean again, another example would be a youth pastor standing up who's recently married to you know a probably absolutely stunning girl in the congregation you know he's going to say look at my wife like isn't she, <laughs> isn't she gorgeous isn't she amazing isn't she way out of my league and all the young guys in the congregation who are looking up to see what success looks like they go huh okay Right. Mm. Success, someone out of my league, someone who looks like that, perfect. Okay, right, got it. You know, and and it's like, oh, please, can we, when, uh, this one particular pet peeve, when a pastor stands up and says, you know, here's my wife, you know, can we celebrate other things apart from her beauty? You know, let's, let, you know, like, it's, it's, yeah. And, and I think that like, that, again, just, just narrows that definition yeah. of success because the the pastor's wife image becomes yeah. what we're all in. And would you say? I mean, I've got strong opinions on this as well, um, and I've wrote quite a bit about this. But um, we've we've talked a lot about what is masculinity and the, mm. the emphasis is on that. But I feel like we have just as strong a narrative on what it is to be feminine, what it is to be female yeah. in the church. And I mean, that's a big part of it, isn't it? It's a you in many ways are being groomed and raised to be someone's wife, right? It's like one day someone will sweep you off your feet, you know, you got to make sure like, you know, whatever. And, and, and that is what happens. The pastor's like, well, look at my trophy wife, right? Yeah. I mean, like, um, and it's, 
and, and taking aside that beauty is socially constructed, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. so to be, you know, whatever it is, blonde, tall, thin, you know, whatever it is that we decide that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, taking that aside, there's still this element of like, you are my prize to be shown off to as, yeah. as evidence of how blessed I am, evidence right. of how much God loves me. Um, and the fact that you're with me is evidence of how much God loves you. <laughs> right? It's the most arrogant thing in the world when you right. stop and think about it. Yeah, um, they become but a that's prize. a big, big part, don't you think, in raising women? Well, I mean, and again, how we how we narrate um, what uh, you know, what is the battle of purity? Mm. You know, up until marriage, with we conceptualize sex, we conceptualize the woman as the prize for the guy stewarding his virginity. Mm. You know, this is what you've been fighting for. Now claim your prize. You know, right. and. And, and again, there's a lot of good values in, in that kind of self-control, in that uh, pursuit of, 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 of wholeness, and, and that is fantastic. But, yeah, we, we, are, we are yeah raising women to be prizes in, in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and, 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 yeah, and again, our dating literature does that in particular. So you've got um, you know, Lisa Vivere talking about waiting for kind of Adam's kiss to, to awaken you, you know? Um, and so you, this kind of idea that up until that point you're asleep. Right. You don't have this like, <laughs> worth until you're given this worth. <laughs> right. Um, you know, even, wow. even in the, the, uh, I think moral revolution, um, um, there is the, 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 the idea of, um, that you are not a whole person until you're married. Mm. Um, and, Gosh. and yeah, and so, and so femininity is, 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 is conceptualized as exactly that as mm. a, um, looking to be completed and looking to complete someone else. Wow. Um, you look at, you know, leaders in the church, I mean, how many are single men, how many are married men, um, that is a fair representation of both. If you look at single women, very, 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 mm. very few. Because it's not complete, you know? right? Wow, doesn't have a man to keep her in check, right? <laughs> Which right. I'm joking, but there is a little bit of that on the undertow. Um, talk to me. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the woman being a prize and things. I, I, I'm realizing we are going on. That's fine. We can talk a little bit more, um, and then we can maybe try and arrange another one to talk about maybe some of your other um, research uh, things. Because I think probably to start a new one now, it's yeah, probably yeah, going to go off big time. Yeah. But yeah. talk to me about this because uh, this intrigues me, and and uh, this is something I've observed. Uh, I don't know if there's studies behind this or whatever. Um, mm. But what I have observed amongst uh, young guys, young girls, I work with a lot of young adults and, and teenagers, um, guys that have. Um, have made choices whether they're good bad or whatever is is kind of we'll put that on the side but made choices to sleep with another girl um they they come out of that and go you know what i'm not going to i'm going to fit myself back into this um evangelical norm of like no sex before marriage and things they they find that reintegration very easy and what i found with young girls is that if they've done the same and they go you know what no that's not right i'm not going to do that anymore i'm going to come back they find reintegration really hard, and I, I and I wonder if you've got thoughts on why that is, how we can help that, because I, I, it's yeah. really challenging to, to help people feel whatever. There's a lot of shame and guilt and all sorts of different stuff brought into play there. Yeah, I mean, I was I was at a um, I don't know quite how I ended up 
but I did end up at a women's conference uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago. Um, the, the gender gap there was much bigger, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was working as I was working as the I was working as an usher and also photographer. Um, okay. um, it was lovely. It was a great time. Um, um, but yeah, the gender gap was but yeah, we they they were they were talking about some of the kind of the, the essences of, of femininity, um, and one of the top ones that came up was purity. Mm. Um, and if we're going to start talking about kind of the idea of people who have had sex before marriage, um, yeah, you're right. There is an element of of this has damaged my purity, but because purity is for whatever reason a more feminine virtue that we, that we celebrate in the church you know we look at the, the bride walking down the aisle she's dressed in white because white symbolizes purity the guy's dressed in the suit because the suit symbolizes uh, like practicality and leadership I don't know you know but yeah but she is the one that needs to be pure mm. we have this conception of the hymen you know the breaking of the hymen is the is is you know the kind of the physical demonstration of covenant um which is so problematic because mm. hymens break for a whole bunch of different reasons. Some, right. some women's hymens never break. Other women's hymens, you know, like kind of do heal. I mean, there is, there is, there's a, such a wide variety. Um, and yeah, we've kind of attributed this physical mm. aspect to, to purity. And once that is gone in our minds, therefore, so is the purity. Um, and so we start to essentialize kind of, that idea of purity is a feminine characteristic, so it's much harder for a woman who's had sex um, to to integrate back into into the, the purity culture. Yeah. I will say that this actually this is not just a Christian issue. Fascinatingly, it's one of the universals hmm. um, that women who around the world from anthropolo- anthropology studies. Um, women who've had sex with multiple men uh, is, is a stigma um, mm. in almost every single society. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's again, another fascinating thing that we probably should be really careful about this because why, why, um, why would we make um, purity such a, such a feminine focus issue? I, 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 I think that you're right it can be a real problem for people who are integrating back in mm. back into the culture do you think there's um, what would you say to um, youth pastors yeah. leaders pastors that that can help you know I mean I, I have nothing against um, people that make choices not to have sex before marriage and all these different things. I think that's absolutely within the confines of, of uh, Christianity. Like you said, there's a good biblical argument for that yeah. it, it, to be found. Um, so that th- hold that position, but find themselves leading people that, that might not hold that position. Like h- how do you think you, you navigate that? Well, how do you think you, you help steer people back into the yeah. fold and help them feel, um, Maybe less yeah. guilt, shame, whatever it is that they might be carrying. I think. I think the first thing you have to do is purity is not a physical, biological thing, mm. and if anything, that is what half the gospel is about, right? Right. Is that purity is something that is given to us existentially, metaphysically, 
um, through salvation. Mm. Um, you know, Paul's gospel of grace is not—it's got nothing to do with with the physical body. Because um, we've tried to use the physical to get to get saved, and it right. and and it, you know we we the amount of cattle or goats or sheep or <laughs> you know the, the idea of spilling blood being a key to our own mm. purity, I think is really problematic, and I think that that's an area of shame um, mm. massively on women who have had sex outside of marriage, and and you look at it up in, again outside the church as well, mm. you know it's the physical, the idea that they feel they've been physically. Right. Um, changed um, that that's the first thing to get rid of mm. like it, it is purely uh, yeah, existential metaphysical right um, spiritual I guess um, and and once you've made that step then it then it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl right it's yeah. exactly the same premise it's exactly yeah. the same feeling it should be mm. um, and then yeah just to, just to keep on keep off you know breaking off yeah just breaking off shame if there is any mm. um you know, I have to be really real about it. 80 eighty percent of Christians have sex before marriage. Like, huge think, percentage. Like, let's be oh. honest. You know, 90, you know like, uh, and and yeah. I mean, you had the you had, what was the name of the uh, the previous guest who's far more. Uh, Tina, yeah, Tina Shermer Sellers, yeah, and Doctor. she's a, a genius, Doctor. genius yeah, in these as well. Another genius. Well, well, you know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe one day I'll be on the same level but yeah like I, I imagine that she's probably got a much better insight into mm. um, um, yeah just the, the, the shame mm. that the, 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 the surrounding this issue when almost everyone does have sex before marriage which is a terrifying thought because it means that almost everyone is being equipped to walk in shame uh, right? correct yes because if it's yes. actually going to happen one way or the other and um, I mean, you know, there may be things that we can do to change that statistic um, for right or wrong or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's what's happening right now. So all we're doing right now is we're equipping people to feel shame and guilt. And it's like, yeah. that can't be right, you know. And so there's got to be a way of approaching people that um, doesn't necessarily validate something that you disagree with and don't believe in, but actually isn't going to put shame on that person I'm sure you know Jesus in the gospels come across many people he doesn't agree with their life choices yeah. but he never cast shame and guilt upon them for that specific thing yeah. um, and so yeah I think um, that's, that's a really um, good insight of like we need to shift the, the focus of the physical element and it needs to be a, a focus of the spiritual um, yeah. and, and, and sex and dating is a deeply spiritual practice as well as a, a, a deeply physical uh, thing so uh, brilliant um, awesome so let's wrap it up but if people want to know more about um, some of your, yeah. your stuff have you, have you got um, stuff that they can look at connect with can they connect with you online um, yeah. whatever it might be or maybe people are listening to this church pastors ministry uh, school deans or whatever that would maybe actually like to connect with you with your research uh, company and maybe some of that stuff as well but how can people connect with you how can people follow you so I guess the web, website is probably the, the best starting point. Okay. Um, you'll, you'll see it just going across the bottom of the screen. Um, no, it's which is www.eidoresearch.com. Uh, okay. um, but yeah, and just, just, just ping me an email. Um, um, I would, yeah, I hopefully will be writing something quite soon. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but... Yeah, that's probably that. We'll probably we'll have you back on around that time. We can uh, 
we can uh, talk about a whole bunch of other different things and then we can uh, plug your book (laughs) (laughs) right well thank you very much I appreciate it thanks for it's been good all right that was Samuel Verby uh brilliant minds and a great friend um next week we'll be talking to Ray Edwards who is a business guru the guy is um prolific in the marketing world and has a whole host of amazing thoughts within that realm and we'll be talking to him about how he um, handles his faith in a whole host of different areas uh, related to that and so it'll be a good one to catch Um, if you want to fill your mind with a whole bunch of other stuff in the meantime you can check out thegracecourse.com for dozens of resources on a whole host of different topics and videos of all the interviews we do here on the podcast and if you want to support what i'm doing um, you can become a partner over there at thegracecourse.com as well and that makes a huge difference and it uh, gives you access to some monthly q a live q a's that i do um, and there's a backlog of the ones I've done in the past few months. And so, yeah, if you do want to support us, um, by all means, do check that out. Otherwise, I'll see you next week for the podcast. Be blessed, my friend. Oh, in my